happy homecoming. <laughs> we were, uh, as you can tell, we had a little fun coming up with this sermon series and we're excited about it. Um, if you haven't seen the blooper video, you should see the blooper video. Pastor David gets hit a bunch. Um, it's pretty hilarious. That was a little homage to, to Michael Irvin there. That was the number 88, little 88 dance there. Um, but we're excited. Uh, good morning, good morning. Well, well, cafe. We love you. We're with you. And uh, I'm excited about this series because in this series called, that we're calling Homecoming, we're looking outward and how we can be a church for our community, for Mansfield and the surrounding area. So you've seen all the things, all the letter jackets. Hopefully that brings back some, some good memories, maybe some bad ones too. Um, the mega phones and the little foam footballs. It's a full contact series. So I can take the booze. I can take the heckling if you feel so inclined. We're going to have a lot of fun this morning as we, we think about home and going home to, to homecoming. It's going to be a five-week series for us. We're talking about new season this morning, teammates, big loss, big win, injury lists and, and injured reserve. And so as we think about our homecoming events and those familiar people that we're accustomed to seeing we think about going to our homecoming events and people we, we expect to see and we don't see and that dealing with that unexpected loss. Um, sometimes we lose the game, but sometimes we win. And we're gonna conclude this series by defining what a big win is for us as we serve our community. So think this morning a little bit about some of your memories of homecoming, what that definition is for you. Um, many of you know I'm from Northern Indiana and one memory I'm not so fond of being from there is the lake effect snow. Grew up pretty close to Lake Michigan and we just got dumped on and our city was way too equipped to get rid of that snow. Um, so even if the weather, if we saw the meteorologist say weather patterns are coming, we weren't guaranteed even a two hour delay because my city was really, really good at getting rid of the snow. But I can't help but think of home like my childhood home and a lot of really fond memories. 59152 County Road 17 is my childhood home. And one of the things I miss about my childhood home that I don't really get here in the DFW area is the stars. And I remember as a kid looking up and just layers and layers deep into outer space, the stars lighting up the sky. And it's just hard with the light pollution to see that in DFW. And I didn't know then that I know now, but when we look up at the stars, we're actually seeing into the past, which is a strange, strange reality, but it's true. When you try to find Orion's belt or the Big Dipper, um, we're staring into the past. We see the moon almost in real time, almost. If we dare to stare at the sun, we're looking about eight minutes into the past. But some of the brightest stars in our sky, just beyond our solar system, we're looking years and years into the past. It's a strange, strange reality, but it's true. I think for many of us, we're gonna be in the Old Testament today. Um, sometimes this holy book, scripture, God's word for us, it's sort of like looking at the stars. We open it up and, and we read its pages and we're looking deep, deep, deep into the past. And there's some obscurity in that. We come across like the food laws in Leviticus or some of the strange call stories of the prophets or all the genealogies. And we're not quite sure what to make of it. It seems a bit strange. It seems a bit obscure. And we, I think, can miss sometimes the grace and the truth therein that God has for us. So we'll say more about that in a little bit. But this morning, to kick off our series, we're talking about a new season. 
and it went a little better for Mansfield than it did for Legacy, 14 to 7. Um, but think about your life and if you're living into a new season in any way. New school, so a lot of us that have started school, that's kind of new and fresh. Many of you may have started a new job, maybe not. Maybe our family's expanded and it's new in that way. Think about the last time you moved and how the definition of your home changes as we talk about living into a new season. Um, I'm a creature of habit, I'm sure. I'm not alone in that. Like there's certain furniture that we own that I've, I, I mean, don't usually sit in. And I like to sit in certain spots and on certain pieces of furniture. I like to have my eight hours of sleep. I like to have a certain schedule when it comes to my meals and decompression time after the day. And to sit back and chill, play some tennis, read, or watch some shows. Like there's, there's certain habits and routines that are comforting that I enjoy. On October 12th, 2017, we didn't move houses, but I came home to a different house. And I started sitting in furniture that we'd owned that I'd never sat in before and my, my meal schedule was all screwed up and, and I would eat at different times and I didn't get a whole lot of sleep and decompression time was like a figment of my imagination. I'm not sure if it ever existed, um, but that, that certainly went away. I remember looking at Lindsay, looking in the back seat on the way home from the hospital, being like, there's a baby back there. They're letting us leave with a child. Like, am I allowed, are we allowed to do this? It was so crazy because as amazing as it was when Max was born and overwhelming and beautiful and all those things, like the nurses waited on us. It was kind of nice. Like anytime something happened, like we pushed a, pushed a button or rang a bell and somebody came in and helped us. And then I, like I remember the seatbelt sound clicking and, and on my way 183 from Dallas to home, like, oh my goodness, like it just hit me and I drove so slow. We are definitely, Lindsay and I, living into a new season of our lives. It's fair to say for us, our idea of home is expanding. This morning, we're gonna be in the book of Isaiah chapter 43, verses 16 to 21. We're in one of those Old Testament passages. I'm excited about this. Isaiah chapter 43, verses 16 to 21. As you're finding that, if you want to find it in your blue Bibles, 1128 and 1129 in the blue Bibles. And just to set the stage a little bit, Israel has been through it. Since the Exodus, since being rescued from Egypt, they've lived through an Assyrian invasion. They've lived through a Babylonian invasion. Two significant major world power armies doing all they can to take Israel out. Assyrians were very, very, very brutal. Babylon's not much better, but at least they leave a strong remnant of Israelites around that are useful to the Babylonians. Where we find ourselves is after Babylon has fallen. So Babylon has fallen, but Israel hasn't gone home yet. That's where we find ourselves in Isaiah chapter 43, verses 16 to 21. This is what the Lord says. He who made a way through the sea, a path through the mighty waters, who drew out the chariots and horses, the army and reinforcements together, and they lay there never to rise again, extinguished, snuffed out like a wick. Forget the former things. 
Do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. The wild animals honor me, the jackals and the owls, because I provide water in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland to give drink to my people, my chosen the people I formed for myself, that they may proclaim my praise. Those first two verses in 16 and 17, it's interesting to me, something strange. Like right before God speaks in verse 18, verses 16 and 17, this is what the Lord said, he who made a way through the sea. He's, he's talking about Exodus, like the most significant event in Israel's history, Right? The way through the water as God parts the Red Sea and rescues his people from bondage, from slavery. Up until this point, this is probably the most significant event in Israel's history. And it's strange to me that what follows is forget former things, don't dwell on the past. Like why forget this time? Sometimes Israel is admonished to remember the power of God. Like, like you're forgetting all that I've done for you to get to this point. But here there's, there's something wrong. There's a problem with the way they're looking behind. There's a problem with the way they're staring back at the past. There's a problem with that and it, it's strange because it would make more sense if it said like this is what the Lord said he who made man and woman to be fruitful and multiply only to have his creation turn against him and rebel like forget the former things don't dwell on the past like there's a lot of mistakes there's a lot of missteps there's a lot of rebellion that's worth forgetting or maybe not forgetting because it's important that we learn from our past but at least not dwelling upon that makes a little more sense but no it's this is being rescued from the land of Egypt from Pharaoh forget former things don't dwell on the past and there's there's something wrong it seems with the way in which we're remembering with the way in which we're looking behind. Why is it that God's telling us to do this in this case? And I think there might be a few reasons for us. Think about the Cowboys, since we're in a football kind of spirit. I mean, many of you are upset because you're dwelling on the past, the good old days when Coach Landry and Coach Johnson coached the Cowboys and all the Super Bowls, and now... So we're upset about where the Cowboys are now. Forget former things, don't dwell on the past. And we say sometimes that hindsight is twenty twenty. If we knew then what we know now, then our lives would be different. We could course correct. We could make some changes. Our future would be so different if we just knew then what we know now. Like if you knew the character of your boss or pick any practical situation in your life, if you knew the character of your boss when you were hired, if you knew then what you know now, ooh, I don't know if you would have, you probably would have made a different decision. You probably wouldn't have chosen that job. Maybe you would have chosen something completely different. But I don't know that that's true. I don't know with that knowledge looking back if we'd actually make a different decision. I think in a lot of cases we'd make the same decision. Like somehow if we just remove the disagreeableness between Jerry and Jimmy, <laughs> if we just removed the disagreeableness, that somehow that would have led to more wins and more Super Bowls. And I'm not so sure. I'm not so sure you don't remove that, that you, you don't lose some fine tuning, some sharpness, some work ethic. Maybe there's something in that tension that was part of their success. Like I don't think it's that obvious that it's more wins. Or, or knowing, knowing then what you know now about the character of your boss, maybe that's still the right job. 
Maybe that's still the exact perfect job you should have taken because the grass isn't always greener on the other side. Or maybe you'd make a different decision, but it's not the decision you thought you'd make looking in hindsight. It seems like there's a problem with the way we look back, the way we dwell on the past. Think about your childhood. Think about the good old days, times in your life that were relatively stable or peaceful. I, I think sometimes... We focus and we dwell and we think about those times and they're rosier than they really are, than than what's real. I think our memory a lot of times is fragmented. It isn't reliable. We, We can remember some good things and learn some good things, but we don't really understand the whole picture. We can't recall it very well. We suppress certain memories that don't show us in a favorable light or we experience some good things and we tend to look back on those times and almost create a story. It's as if God's saying somehow looking in the past sometimes is like looking into a fiction. I remember my freshman year at Baylor, we beat A&M. And we were terrible, Baylor was terrible all four years. All four years they were terrible, right? But one poll has A&M ranked 14th, one ranked 16th. And we, we, we go for two in overtime and we beat A&M. And it was great for a night, right? I'm not kidding you though. I had friends three, four years later still talking about that win, right? And, and creating this story of how significant it was and, and the truth of, of the history of that win is it wasn't a catalyst for progression. It wasn't a catalyst that led to an improved season or an improved few years. It was, it was a great win for one night. And sometimes we look back at our past and we create, we create something else, some of us lose our sense of identity and we, be, we believe we are what we do and our past failures, our past mistakes, the errors that we make, we're just bound to repeat them. They just stick to us. And there's all kinds of ways in which I think God's telling us, be careful dwelling on the past. Be careful dwelling on the past. But the most significant reason the most significant reason I think God's word is for us to, to not stare behind, to not look behind, to not dwell on the past is because when we do that, we fail to perceive the new thing that God is doing right now in our midst. We read verse 19, see, I am doing a new thing. Do you not perceive it? Like, <laughs> We're looking behind. God says, I'm providing you streams in this wasteland that you've been living in and you're holding on. There's a kind of a resignation in the way that you're looking behind and you're holding on to this time. It isn't the memory that's bad. It's the people and the way they're clutching to that time, resigned, that, that anything else good could happen, that, that the good old days are gone and, and what's the future? So they continue to dwell and they look behind and God's saying, look, wake up. That's over 900 years ago see what I'm doing in your midst right now in this wasteland in this desert that you've been living in I'm taking you home I have a future that is for you and friends I don't have a lot of prescriptions for us this morning just a couple big questions that I think God's put on my heart for us to consider is what is it that you're dwelling on that's keeping you from perceiving the new thing God is doing right in front of your face Are there people we have avoided? Are there people we don't even see that God has been sending our way to be real with, to help, to be vulnerable with, but we're not not seeing them. We're not attentive because we're, we're looking elsewhere. 
We're dwelling on the past. We're looking, we're looking behind us. That's the question I want us to ask. Some of us, you know, just ask what if and we play that game and that's like looking at the past too. What if I did this instead of that? What if I did, and we stare up at the stars and all the unchangeable history and we wonder if it can't change. We see the scars and we're afraid of the future, that it won't be any different. And if stars for us are a sign of the past as we look up in the sky and we see the stars and all that history, as strange as it is, we look up at the stars and you know, it's a funny thing that God does in the mystery of our history. He takes a star. He takes a star that's a sign of the past and he makes a special one for these three men from far, far, far away to see and to follow. And we don't know much about them. Are they kings? We call them wise men. From far, far away, they see there's something new about this light and they come and they enter into the space in the room of the light of the world. The God who reveals himself to us, who doesn't stay far away, but who comes in close into our space, into our time, into real time, to show us the very essence of God to show us who we're called to be, to open up a new future with new possibilities that didn't previously exist. I mean, no one saw this happening. No one saw that this could be the case. And yet Christ comes in the flesh to die for us, to save us, to show us a new future. And he shines this light, this light that's in real time on our scriptures and what once was sort of faint and obscure in the Old Testament. Look who's speaking. There are little quotations in verse 18. Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. In the beginning was the Word and the Word was with God and the Word was God. And so now we see in the revelation of Christ, like, like there, there is a brilliance to this book and the grace and truth. We, we can't be, be so anxious to skip over passages in the Old Testament because there's a weightiness here because this is the role of the Son who speaks. Forget the former things. Do not dwell in the past. See, I am doing a new thing. It's why our early theologians in church history see the sun and their commentaries on every page of the Old Testament. It, it totally changes how they approach scripture that this, this passage in Isaiah contextually is for people in another time and in another place, but it's ever presently for you and for me here and now as, as God tells us to forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. And it isn't enough for us to just see and believe. That's only part of our story. The light that shines forward into our future. The gospel message includes reaching new people and going to new places and developing new strategies and new ministries to build up the kingdom of God. Paul says, or Jesus says in the gospel of John that, that I'm, I'm not leaving you. I'm not abandoning you. I'm leaving you the Holy Spirit to guide you and teach you. And Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 17, he says this, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone. The new is here. The trajectory of our lives is forward. 
looking ahead instead of behind. We can't live out our life of faith looking behind our shoulder. We're to move forward instead of backward. We're to grow and mature. We're to reach outward towards new people instead of being inwardly focused on just maintaining what we have. This completes the gospel message that Christ brings forgiveness so we can't be afraid of the future anymore because the power of God is with us and for us. As God reminds us, he forms us for himself to proclaim his praise. We sang this morning at the 815 service that he holds our future. So what is there to be afraid of? We are to step into this new future full of new possibilities. And so one question I, I want us to really wrestle with this sermon series is this. I wanna challenge, challenge us with this question. Are we being a new church, reaching new people in the city of Mansfield and the surrounding area? Are we being a new church? Because in the short time I've been here, it's been amazing to see the kind of pillar that this church is in the community, the kind of legacy of ministries that have been started locally and, and globally over time. Um, the way in which we partner with MISD and other school districts in the city. Uh, we were at this prayer breakfast a week or two ago and it was a picture of the kingdom. I never got to experience something like that. To be in, in one big room with first responders and councilmen and councilwomen and people from MISD and and uh, politicians and church folk and clergy like, and many, many, many more all together praying for our schools. And this church helped form that gathering. And this church was clearly a leader at that meeting. Our legacy is strong. How are we new? As ministers of the gospel, we are all called to be ministers of the gospel. And again, I don't have a lot of prescriptions for us this morning. But those questions, what is it that we're dwelling on that's keeping us from stepping out and perceiving the new thing God has called us to do? And I'm talking about breaking some of those routines, breaking some of those ways of thinking, the ways in which we look behind so that we can perceive and be obedient and step into the new future that God has for us. I want us to make sure we're not clutching onto and holding onto our legacy and our past growth, but being a new home and a new church, reaching new people for the kingdom of God. That's what I want us to think about as we, as we focus outward in this homecoming series. It is our privilege to do so. I know many of our definitions of home have changed. I've come a long way since 59152 County Road 17, Goshen, Indiana. Uh, being married a few years, a new dad, and constantly learning. Um, and this may sound completely sentimental, but being here with you feels like home. And part of that is because I'm living into my calling, but part of it's because of you, and I want to thank you for that. You guys have welcomed me and Lindsay and Max. Uh, You've challenged me, you've taught me a lot already, and I can't tell you enough how much I'm looking forward to serving with you. But I wanna make sure that all the residents of Mansfield and the surrounding area know what I know and feel what I feel about this place, about this people, about you. That our doors are open. That our desire in our heart is to be a new church to lead faithfully 
for the God who is good, for the God that is for us, for the God who forms us for himself to carry his praise, for the God who holds our future and frees us to live into that, to create all kinds of possibilities so that others may come to know the great love of God. I want us to make sure that all of Mansfield and the surrounding area know that this, we, we want to be their new home. Amen? Will you pray with me? Holy God, we thank you that you are not far away, that you come in close so that we can hear, so that we can perceive. But God, forgive us for the ways in which we turn away, for for ways in which we dwell on lesser things, things that have happened to us that, that we let have too much claim over our lives, Lord, whatever that is, broken relationships, whatever our past has, whatever exists there, God, we just, we just give it up to you. We surrender it to you, Lord. God, our desire is to step into a new future, to be a new people for you. So help us, help us as a body stand in agreement as to what that is and the new ministries you're calling us to start, the changes you're calling us to make, oh Lord. Help us look forward and not be afraid of the future for you forgive us and you free us from sin. You free us from death. You open up a future for us that's full of hope, that's full of transformation. Help us be change agents, God, in our home, in our workplaces, in our schools. Help us carry your light. We pray all this in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.